1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey,
0: everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello, and welcome back, awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. Now, we're in your earbuds every single week with all of the awesome that you need to know, but you can also find us over on Instagram at Sorta awesome Show and on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 111 of the show, and we want to give a special shout out and thank you to our listener supporters. Your five dollars a month makes a big difference in keeping this show going. And if our show, our recommendations, our awesomes of the week, our community—if any of that has added to your life—and you'd like to consider supporting us, you can do that by going over to slash support Listeners who support Sorta of Awesome have access to special episodes that are not out there for the public, like our Sorta of Taboo series. So, if you want to check out all the many ways that you can support Sorta of Awesome, All of that is over at SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. So yes, here we are, episode 111, and I'm joined by my dear friend and lovely co-host, Kelly Gordon. And you guys, we are talking all about food today. Now, you know, it's going to be a good day here on Sorta Awesome when we can get Kelly to talk about food. Kelly, I'm so glad that you are up for this because we have a lot
1: of words, don't we? We do have a lot of words, and I love this episode because I really feel like this is going to answer one of the questions that we get most often in the Hangout, which is, What do I make for dinner? Or I'm just really bored with what I make. I need some new ideas. And it's a great place to crowdsource. So, here you and I are going to give like our best meals. So, if you're getting asked, What's for dinner? which I get asked like 12 times a day, and I only have four (laughs) kids, you guys. Like my husband never it's, asks. He doesn't care. No, of course.
0: Yes, I know. But it's exponential. You know, the more kids you have, the more often you're answering that dumb question. In fact, I am not
1: joking, you guys. This is funny. Now that I think about it, I think I was too tired this morning. I had been up for 10 minutes this morning. No one else was up except for my nine-year-old daughter. I was working on my show notes. And my nine-year-old daughter walks out in her little pajamas and morning breath and curls up next to me and looks up at me and says, good morning. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? I'm like, are That's you kidding perfect. me? I don't, I haven't even had my coffee. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do know. I mean, because I have a meal plan, but I was like, I don't want to talk about it right now. So hopefully this episode <laughs> will equip you awesomes.
0: Mm hmm. Yes. No matter
1: your gender, no matter how many people you're cooking for to know what's for dinner.
0: That's right. We've got meals if you're cooking for a crowd of people, if it's just for your little family or maybe even just for yourself. We really do have a ton of ideas to share with you today. And listen, we're going to be going over a lot of things. Don't worry. All of these will be captured in show notes for today, which you can get either at sortofawesomeshow.com or if you tap the description link in your favorite podcast app, it will give you also the list of all of these things that we're going to be talking about right there in your app. So we're going to get to all of that here in just a minute. But Kelly, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with... Awesomes of the Week. What do you have for us this week?
1: I have something that is very, very timely, at least for my yard here in the north, in the Twin Cities suburbs. I have one of my very favorite new plant discoveries, and it really is kind of a new plant. So here's the backstory. As I think most of the Awesomes know, we lived in Southern California or in California for about 10 years. My husband, who really loves to be outside and be in the yard, his very favorite plant of all time is a hibiscus. Right. Yes. So very Uh tropical looking flower. Mm -hmm. We had tons of them everywhere we lived when we lived in a warm climate. So when we moved back to the Midwest and back to the North Midwest, where, you know, tropical plants don't do all that great. Right. We would always buy them for our deck, you know, buy the tropical hibiscus just because it made us happy. It reminded us of home, that sort of thing. But what we have discovered is that they have now bred what is called a hardy hibiscus, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Yeah. it actually thrives. It's a perennial, which means that it comes back every year. You don't have to plant it. So unlike the tropical hibiscus, you know, which would only last for a season, it is hardy. So this is gardener talk in zones four to nine, which is pretty much most of the U.S. Here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, we're in zone four. So nine is like there are some zones on the very outer edges of the U.S. that are hotter than nine. Because that's what it's talking about is how cold you get in the winter, how hot you get in the summer. So what I'm saying is, at least here in the United States, this hardy hibiscus thrives just about anywhere you are, okay? Mm-hmm. And they do come back every year, and it's this time of year that they bloom. It's late summer, which is often, for a lot of people, a time in the garden that just is a little lacking in color. There's a lot of things in the spring or early summer, and then you might have things in the fall. This time of year can be a little bit of a dead zone. So it's fun that they bloom this time of year. And here's what they're really known for. They look like a hibiscus. Um, but they're huge. They're sometimes called dinner plate hibiscus because oh, wow. some of their blooms can be ten inches across.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's not like one bloom. Yeah, I mean, it's like my bush right now is
1: covered in, you know, like buds that are getting ready to open. And they do like I think most hibiscus, the blooms only really last one day. (laughs) So I mean, it's covered It probably has, you know, 30 to 40 ready to open flowers on it and then every day three or four new ones open and they're just huge ours is red i'm like a crimson deep red but oh, they come pretty. in white pink and then like some kind of you know smattering of scattered colors i really think that these are just starting to catch on and so they're breeding more colors all the time so if you're going to look for this plant a couple of things to know here's the actual <laughs> latin name i'm going to screw this up but because like if sometimes you go to a nursery and you'll say i'm looking for hardy hibiscus and they're like not really sure you know how there can be realisms. Oh, Sure. Yes. Yes, So it's called hibiscus mochatos. So something like that.
0: I love the Latin spin you put on. I feel
1: like I'm going to sing Despacito. I know. Hibiscus mochatos. It's probably nothing like that, you guys. If you go to a garden center and say, I'm looking for the hibiscus mochatos, they're going to think that you've had one too many margarines. Um, We'll put it in the show notes. How's yes, that? We all right. definitely will. Yes, we'll put yes, it in the yes. show notes. Okay. But one thing to know is that when you plant it, it's kind of this plant likes to play games with you. It looks like sticks. You know, it blooms late summer. It dies back. If you live in a place like we do <laughs> that has real winter, you know, all the plants, it dies back to the ground. Like you cut it back to the ground every year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And in the spring, it doesn't bloom right away. Like it doesn't start to actually send up new green shoots until the like the dirt gets to be about 70 degrees consistently. So that's pretty like mine does not even start to come up out of the ground until probably June. So when I first planted this, and they warned me, but you know, you still think, oh, I've killed it. Winter's killed it. It's not coming back. Everything else is like blooming. And this isn't even sending up anything green. It's just this little I usually leave when I cut it back to the ground, I usually leave a couple of inches of plant up. So I just remember where it was sure sure yeah and it's not coming back and then all of a sudden it just springs to life and then in late summer it has these gorgeous flowers so I really love this plant it is so pretty it's making me so happy in my backyard right now the hardy hibiscus I have to recommend it for everybody because it can really survive the entire different climates that we can throw at it at least here in the U.S.
0: I love that thank you so much and I know you're gonna pop some pictures of of it in full bloom yes on our sort of awesome social media so we can all enjoy the beauty. Yeah, that's this right. Week. So right. like that so much. What you got for us, Megan? Okay, well, I have an episode of a podcast, <laughs> one that really, truly has spoken to me so deeply. You were talking about beauty in nature. This was like beauty on a spiritual level mm-hmm. for me this week. It was so powerful and meaningful. So the podcast is one that you and I have talked about for sure on this show, The Liturgist. Mm-hmm. Hosted by Michael Gunger in Science Mike, and we've talked about some various episodes. In fact, I think one of your awesomes of the week was when they talked about racism yes. in that show, which was a great episode. Oh
1: my goodness, yes,
0: so good. So, as of our recording this week, their most recent release is an episode that's just titled Names. And in that episode of The Liturgist, they really dig deep into the concept of our names. What our names mean to us on personal levels, which is very significant, of course. What names mean in the broader context of the human experience, and also especially because they do talk about spiritual matters on The Liturgist. What do names and naming and the specific words we assign to things, what does that mean in our spiritual lives? I don't want to give anything away, but I will say that the sort of through line of this episode is Michael Gunger talking about how he has been on a recent journey with this concept of name and getting to experience a new name that is very rich in spiritual meaning for him. So if you're not familiar with Michael Gunger, he's sort of the front man, I guess you could say, for the band Gunger. And he talks about that, how at one point his name was not so much his name as it was a brand. And then it was a brand with a lots of different, you know, associations attached to it, particularly because he's a more progressive minded Christian and sort of the backlash. I mean, it's again, I don't want to give the whole thing away. It's over an hour of just really great discussion about the topic of names what they mean to us in terms of how we experience God, and then how we relate to the names that we are given. So I totally want to recommend. It has been the awesome of the week for me. So timely, because Kelly, you know, and and lots of you who are listening may have noticed that I recently shifted name for me. I have kind of said, hey, you know what? I just turned 40 and I would love to start going by Meg, which is a nickname that I've kind of had, you know, people call me through the years, particularly in high school and college. A lot of my friends called me Meg really consistently. And I always loved that. I love my given name of Megan. It's, you know, through the years, you know, people kind of, we like, especially girls like to ask each other things like, if you could pick any name, yes, you know that question. <laughs> what would you pick? <laughs> and I've always been a little bit hard pressed to answer that because I really do genuinely love my name so much. But I thought it would be so fun. And I had been thinking for a long time, like, what if I decided I just wanted to start going by Meg? And so it seemed like when I turned 40, it was a good time in life to kind of just try it and see what happens. Now, I don't have some people when they switch names, either they start going by their given name, they leave behind a childhood Mm -hmm. nickname and go by their given name or, you know, a variety of things. Maybe they pick something entirely new, or maybe they go through a divorce and go back to their maiden name. And, you know, like sometimes we have really big feelings attached, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a name change. I am like, I'm holding it so loosely in my hands. Like I'm just doing it for fun. It's something I wanted to do. I figured what the heck, what's the worst that could happen if I just switch up my name a little bit? So we've definitely had some questions in the hangout group Mm -hmm. with people being like, did I miss an explanation? And I'm like,
1: I didn't think anyone would even really notice. Which, hello, I think that's kind of funny. Can we just say that? Can I say that to you? Like when you said, I did not think anybody would notice. I'm like, you are the host of a very popular podcast, which is an auditory meet. And so you say your name all the time. I think it's funny that you didn't think anybody would notice. So I'm glad that we're kind of explaining it. I mean, I get it wrong still. Like, I know when I want to say Meg and Megan comes out. So I'm glad you're holding it loosely. But does it like, did you say anything to friends and family? Because in some ways, communicating it here, people did notice it. Yes. But like with friends and family, I feel like sometimes when people are doing that maybe very intentional name shift. You know, they're actually going to say something like, here's my new, I'm going back to my maiden name, you know, but for something like this, for you, are you just kind of dropping it into conversation? Or are you drawing it out to people in your real life and saying, hey, I want to go with Meg?
0: You know what made it the easiest thing in the world, Kelly, is social media. When I just changed it on Facebook and, you know, my social media handles had been sort of "Awesome Meg for a long time. And so I just Mm -hmm. kind of went in and just like took off the A-N on my like profile name all across social media. I think that that visual switch has helped a lot. But no, I did not like send out an email or communicate. I haven't even told my parents, which they have. My mom especially has called me Meg or Meggie often through life. So, oh. you know, I don't care if my, par- well, my parents can call me whatever they want. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But no, I haven't like put out a a particular communication about it. I just switched it. And then people have asked and I've kind of told close friends, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And people have been like, I think people have been more invested in making the switch than I expected. And that's just been like so fun for me. So, yes. So anyway, okay, that was a lot of words on our awesomes of the week. And we have got a lot of food talk to get to today. Here on Sorta Awesome, we are all about celebrating the awesome of the everyday, including every long, lazy day of summer. You know, those days we imagine are going to be totally laid back with nothing on the schedule, and then we snap back to the reality and remember summer is just as hectic as every other season of the year. That's why I'm so glad I have Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes it easy to cook delicious, seasonal, nutritious meals even on the busiest of days. I love that Sunbasket sends organic, non GMO ingredients pre measured and ready to go. So there's no digging around for recipes, no last minute grocery store runs, and I can have dinner ready for my family in less than 30 minutes. They have meals for every lifestyle paleo, gluten free, lean and clean, vegetarian, all created by an award winning chef approved by nutritionists. Sunbasket meals are quick and delicious, and we can all find time for that. Go to sunbasket.com/ sorta today and get 50% off your first order. That's sunbasket.com/sorta to get 50 percent off your first order at sunbasket.com/sorta. So here we go. We thought we'd start out the show with) Talking about just some of our go-to family favorites, things that are tried and true, things that our families love, that are, you know, relatively easy to put together. And then later, after we go through some of our family favorites, we're gonna be talking about our favorite meals when we're serving a crowd, when we just want some good old-fashioned comfort food, when we have to take a meal to someone or we get to take a meal to someone, either for a new baby or maybe there's a death in the family. We're also going to talk about our favorite Trader Joe's picks, which I can do now that we have Trader Joe's in Oklahoma City. And then we'll talk about our favorite meals when we just want to splurge on something. So, Kelly, let's talk about family favorites. What's at the top of your list?
1: Okay, well, I just have to say this. This is like, we're going to clear the air because somebody sometimes will say, who's the person that you want to talk to at dinner? And you always feel like, well, I'm just going to say my spouse. Like, it's such an obvious answer. We're going to take the obvious answers, acknowledge them, and then put them off the table. The obvious answer for me about what my family likes to eat for dinner are two things that we've talked about on the show already. The ubiquitous salsa chicken tacos salsa chicken
0: tacos everybody loves them yes
1: every single like month i'm making those so that is probably if i really was truly honest that would be the number one favorite amongst my family and the other thing that we've been making a ton of this summer because it's grilling thing that we've talked about before the cajun turkey burgers Mm -hmm. yep okay that's what i make when we have people over, I mean, it, really, that could fit in almost every category that we're talking about, like feeding a crowd, you know, that sort of thing. They're just really good. They're a little bit different. They're super easy. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll, of course, put links in the show notes, but we talked about those on past episodes, so we could go back and listen. So here are a few other family favorites, okay? And here's a theme, Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yes. Right? Love it. Yeah. When I was writing down things, I'm like, it's kind of funny how often that kind of ethnic food creeps in, even though it's very, I'm sure, Americanized. One of the things that my kids love is fish tacos. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, okay? I love a fish taco. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into like all the ingredients for how I'm making mine. I'm just saying fish tacos, you guys. I make mine. They're kind of a blackened fish. So they're a tilapia, which is really not that fishy of a fish. It's yes. very firm, mm-hmm. um, not usually that expensive. And so then you put in all these spices and you blacken them. So they're really, really good. I don't have all kids who eat them with tacos. You know, they just eat the fish and then have some side servings, and that's fine with me always. I always love meals that you can, you know, customize Yes. to the person. So usually, like for me, what I do when I make fish tacos is, of course, I'm making like some sort of a cabbage slaw to put on it because that's necessary. It's good and right. I don't think you can have a fish taco without cabbage. And also like a creamy, it's really like my guacamole, but it has sour cream in it too. So it's a creamy avocado sort of a topping. It's so good. And the other thing is, it's a really, it's a pretty quick dinner to put together. You know, fish defrosts very quickly. It doesn't cook in hardly any time at all. It's a pretty quick dinner. Yeah, love that. Okay, here's another one. This is a new one for my family. And this one, you guys, this is the fastest dinner. If you have to come in and you're like, we need to make dinner. I don't have anything in the crock pot. And I want to turn this around. This is both fast and easy. And this is something that longtime awesomes will know. It's from Everyday Food. Oh, yes. Um, It's called Chicken Stir Fry Wraps. So the reason that I like it especially is that if you're trying to feed either yourself or someone in your family Mm gluten-free, this is a stir fry that then the idea is that you're going to put it in little cups of lettuce, you know, like big pieces of lettuce and eat it that way as a wrap. Mm -hmm. Now, my husband, we joke that, you know, he's half Korean. Rice is his everything. It is his comfort food. It is what he eats for breakfast. He loves rice. So I make rice for him for this meal and he eats it. But it's basically just chicken, onions, and bell peppers. Mm, So you're... Of course, gonna have to buy raw chicken. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, so this this already cuts <laughs> makes out because <laughs> you're buying chicken breasts and you're cutting them into you know thin slices. Maybe you could get them like that at the butcher. I don't know. I bet you can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're cooking them and then you cook onion and bell pepper and then you make like a sauce to put in at the end. That's basically like garlic, ginger, red pepper flakes, soy sauce, rice vinegar. I mean, it's just like really basic things that probably most people already have. And you put that in and then you serve it. Boom. So it's like
0: easy and done. Yes. So
1: easy and done. And I think my favorite tip for stir fry and for dealing with a lot of raw meat is to only like thaw the chicken halfway and then cut it. And then like I put it in the fridge to keep thawing because it's so much easier to cut. Oh, that's a great stuff. tip. Yeah. Especially if you're cutting it into strips or something. Right. So I kind of. If I can, sometimes people, I've even, my sister, I think, will do this the day that she brings the raw chicken home. She'll cut some up into chunks. She'll cut some into strips. Like, maybe even sometimes you can even, if it's not frozen already, put it in the freezer for a few minutes before you cut it. Anyway.
0: That's a great tip. Maybe that would bring chicken back into my family's life if I... Yeah. Because I would imagine when it's frozen, you don't have that chicken smell. If you're wondering right. what my deal is, just last week in episode 110, I revealed to the shock and horror of the rest shock of the co-host team that we just, I don't really buy raw chicken ever. And so we don't eat a lot of chicken meals. But my main thing is I literally cannot deal with the smell of raw chicken. And so, but right. now I'm like, well, maybe if it's frozen, maybe right. I could deal. So right. hmm, I didn't know. Now I'm thinking yeah. about this. Okay. If you
1: need to pay somebody to buy chicken, cut it up for you, put it in the freezer and then <laughs> give it to you.
0: I need a personal assistant You do. You You need a sous chef.
1: (laughs) A a chicken sous chef. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's number two. Uh, You know what? Let's just go ahead and talk about one of the other chicken meals to get it out of the way. (laughs) I feel like I'm offending you, and I know you eat chicken. (laughs) (laughs) This is an easy one, and it's customizable, which I always love, and so my family loves. It's called Grilled Hawaii Chicken Teriyaki Bowls. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of words, but basically, what you're doing is you are grilling. You could even just do chicken tenders, or you know, like chicken breast and cut it up, and you're grilling also bell peppers, pineapple, onion, all those things. Yeah. And then you make, and here's the real key: to make the bowl a coconut rice. Yum. Love you, coconut rice coconut is rice. worth the price of admission right there. It like, is. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. And then you make your own teriyaki sauce that you have put all of those things that you're grilling in and you save a little bit out to like drizzle on top. So you have all these good veggies. You have chicken, coconut rice, which I love. My kids don't like it, so I'll make regular rice for them. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You're lost. So that's a really good one. That's a super popular, maybe a little unexpected um, thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Number four on our list is carne asada. Back to Mexican. And
0: mm, You're speaking my language right now with all this Tex-Mex. I
1: have a recipe and yeah. you guys, I could put it online, but you could find so many good recipes. Basically, carne asada is just grilled steak. It's usually flank steak, which, you know, here's a question. They used to talk about like flank steak and other, some of the tougher cuts of meat, skirt steak. And yes. they'd be like, oh, it's so cheap. Yes. I don't think it's cheap anymore. It's not anymore. <laughs> you still will find that online when people will say, well, this is a really inexpensive cut of steak and it's just not, but it's worth Mm-mm. it because. So really yeah. what you're doing with a carne asada is you're just marinating that. So in that sense, this is, I think, easy meal because you could the day before, even the night before, you could make a marinade and, and then you just grill it up and you really want to grill it so that it's not well done. You know, you it's really fast on the grill and then you can serve it however you want. I love to make as much as I possibly can. My kids will eat a ton of carne asada, um, but then I love just to keep mm-hmm. it in the fridge. Like people will snack on it. You know, you yes. can put it on top of a salad. It's really, really versatile. So that's my fourth one. The last one is a new thing, and my husband doesn't really like chicken, so he doesn't have to cook with it. That's not his thing. He just thinks it's boring and dry, which, you know, let's be honest, it kind of is. Which, thank you,
0: Corey. I mean, yes, I, I kind totally of agree, agree there.
1: So this is a chicken <laughs> thing. This is a new recipe to me, you guys. This could have been an awesome of the week, that my husband looked at me and said, this might be my favorite chicken recipe ever. Like, I actually oh, like wow. this okay. chicken, you know? Yeah. And here's why. It's kind of, you start with ground chicken. Which oh, you can get at Trader Joe's. Okay. It's sometimes, like, you have to go to a real grocery store. Yeah. Which I'm glad it's at Trader Joe's. Like, this is not something that you're going to usually find in bulk at Costco sort of a thing. Right. So you right. want ground chicken. And really, it's super, super simple. They're called Greek chicken kebabs because you're kind of making, like, almost like a, like a mixture of meat, like a meatloaf, only it's chicken. And then you're putting them on kebabs okay. and you're cooking them under your broiler it's just for a fun hmm. thing to do. You wouldn't have to. And actually, you could take this exact same, like, food and make burgers out of it. We were like, you could make like Greek chicken burgers, you know, eat it on a bun, that sort of a thing. But we will share the actual recipe for this, but it's really just ground chicken, onion. And it says like finely chopped. I tried that the first time. I can't finely chop an onion small enough to get away from my children. Like we all liked the flavor, but we were like, Ooh, there's big chunks of onion. So I last time grated one or put it in the food processor. Oh. I like pulped it, kind of. Oh, right. Yeah. So then it can yes, just yes. really mix okay. in. And then it's like cumin, pepper, smoked paprika, and parsley. I mean like it's super easy. And then you shape it into whatever you want. So I'm shaping it into these little kebab things and you serve it with like a Greek salad, you know, that's got your typical kind of cucumber, feta olive oil, tomatoes, sort of a thing. So again, this could be completely gluten-free. I usually serve it with some like grilled pita bread or naan because it just helps my kids get all the way fed. But it's super, super yummy. But those five meals that I just listed are in every meal plan dating back, well, except for the Greek chicken that I just mentioned for years because they're so good and it's so versatile and it's kind of unexpected. So those are my family favorites. What do you got? Well, wait, before I tell you my family favorites, in your 10 years
0: worth of meal plans, did you find a recipe for barbecue tuna?
1: <laughs> Oddly, no.
0: <laughs> That's a callback to yes, when I was to Kelly say. and I were talking about food another time and I revealed the food disaster. The atrocity. <laughs> food disasters. The atrocity of trying to pass off barbecue tuna as pulled, pulled pork, pork, pork right yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it didn't still, it didn't go over it's still so funny surprisingly kyle caught on <laughs> yeah he did okay so family favorites from our household yeah so we don't do a lot of chicken meals so i was thinking through like what are my go-tos and it's a lot of ground beef so oh, good. be prepared for that. Also, we do eat mostly gluten-free. I'd say like 80 to 90% gluten-free. We don't have anybody who is legit celiac, but like half of my family has like some gluten intolerance where it just messes up their tummy a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we, we try my, my kids' lunches are gluten-free and we try to stay pretty gluten-free in our meals. Sometimes we'll even go grain-free and eat more paleo. Depends on what kind of phase we're in and how our overall health is and whatever. Right. So you'll notice that a lot of these, except for one on the list, are mostly... You can at least make adjustments to make them gluten-free. So I make a lot of meatloafs, a lot. Meatloafs and meatballs, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Those are my go-tos. I have probably like 10 variations on meatloafs and meatballs (laughs) because they're super easy. You can often throw them together at the last minute if you just have some thawed ground beef and you just kind of pull things out of your pantry and you've got a meal. So the first one I want to talk about is from a website that I really love that's called recipes that crock. And it's all crock pots, you know, slow cooker recipes. So she has one at recipes that crock called Slow cooker cheddar meatloaf recipe. My family calls this cheeseburger meatloaf. And so it's just, of course, it's your ground beef. And she calls for, and we use quick cook oats in it instead of like breadcrumbs or whatever. So that keeps it nice and gluten free for us. It's like a cup of shredded cheddar. This one calls for dried onion, like minced Uh dried onion, which is, I think, makes it really kid friendly. Because again, I love onions, but I think it's kind of as you get older and your palate matures. Yep. You might be more open to onions, although I know plenty of adults who won't eat onions at all. But it calls for dried onions, so you don't have the texture issues or whatever of having big chunks of onion in there. So that's nice. So you put it all together and put it into your slow cooker, and then you mix ketchup and brown sugar and put it as like a glaze over the top. And it cooks like you could pop it in there. Like if you're mixing it up at lunch, you could put it on low for you know four to six hours. Or if you had a little bit more wiggle room in the late afternoon. You could even put it in there on high for two to three hours. And listen, Kelly, I've made this one plenty of times without the slow cooker, just wow. like mixed it up as a regular meatloaf and tossed it in the oven like an hour before we were going to eat. So you can definitely do it that way as well. And it's always a hit, very kid friendly. My kids love this one. And then I'll do like some, you know, like mashed potatoes or, you know, some kind of warm veggie on the side and it's never failed me Sounds yet..
1: Super
0: good. <laughs> so that one's good. So meatballs, I do lots and lots and lots of variations, but I have one fantastic go-to basic meatball recipe, and these are so great because you can make up a huge batch of them. You could make like a double or triple batch, fix them one night, and pop the rest in the freezer, and then you've right. got your own freezer meatballs for whenever you need to pull them out when you're you know in a bit of a rush. So this one's from a blog called Pistachio Project. And it is her grain free simple meatballs recipe. And again, it's so simple. That's what makes them so flexible because after you make them, if you freeze them, you can do a ton of things with them because it's just egg, garlic, ground beef, salt, paprika, and a little bit of Italian seasoning. You can make a big batch of them. I love to do these with, like, I love balsamic vinegar. Mm. So I'll do a quick balsamic vinegar reduction where you just pour vinegar in a saucepan and reduce it down by like half. And then you've got a nice balsamic syrupy sauce that you can do. I also do these a ton, even though they've got a little bit of Italian seasoning, it's not enough to where you feel like, oh, I've got to make this with a marinara now. I'll do these and then pour like store-bought barbecue sauce over as I'm, you know, finishing them off. And then you've got barbecue meatballs, which are way better. (laughs) (laughs) Let me assure you, barbecue meatballs, way better. Than barbecue tuna, from. Yes,
1: promise. Yes. <laughs> How do you cook the meatballs? Because one of the things that keeps me from making meatballs is like either you're having to like turn them. I, I don't want to fuss too much, but you're yeah. saying these are simple. So what do you do? Okay, these, she has
0: an instructions on the recipe. You can put these into the oven okay. at 375 for 20 minutes and they're done. But I like a little bit of a seared kind me of crust on a meatball. So I will toss them in my cast iron skillet if I have time, and just kind of brown them, and then pop them in the oven to finish. And then with this, like we could get gluten-free noodles or regular noodles, some kind of noodles to go on the side, again, with your nice, like roasted vegetable or something. And it's so fast, really it is. I mean, making up the meatballs is the hardest thing. And I'll call the girls in and be like, all right, everybody wash your hands. We're making meatballs. And then it goes really fast. And then you've got dinner in no time at all, seriously. So that's a great one. Okay, another one. That I love, and I've made this for years, and I did not think my family was going to go for this because it has curry in it. This was really my kids' first exposure to anything with curry. It is from a website that I have used extensively through the years called Hillbilly Housewife.
1: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) this is a new one for me.
0: This, well, it's an old, years old website. She's got tons of archives. Her whole thing was like finding really frugal ways to cook family meals. And she has a ton of recipes. So I found this, golly, probably six or seven years ago. She calls it African Safari pilaf. I call it curry pilaf. That's what my kids know it as. Again, it's a ground beef recipe, but you start out by toasting like a cup of dry white rice getting it nice and toasted and then you just build from there and it's got like garlic and ginger curry like I said it also has some really interesting things in it in addition to the ground beef that goes in you put in three tablespoons of peanut butter Mm. some honey and then also raisins and you just kind of after you get it all put together it goes together very quickly And then you just kind of let it sit and simmer. I can't remember. I think it simmers for like 20 or 30 minutes and then you're good to go. And I mean, it's one of those, you've got your grain and your meat all together. So if your family likes salad, you could do a salad on the side, do some, you know, some kind of other veggie on the side and so fast and it really, I mean, it's, To me, it's a really great way to introduce kids to curry because it's not an overwhelming amount of curry in there. It's just enough to where they're like, huh,
1: okay, I think I like this. Yeah, a different flavor. And it's a one-pot dinner. So many people, sometimes that's what they're looking for. Like, I just want to put it all in one pot and bring it to the table. And like you said, maybe have salad or bread or something on the side. But that's a great thing. Absolutely. So good. Such a great
0: go-to. So we do eat some things besides beef around (laughs) here. Something I'd love to pick up at Sam's is one of their huge pork loins, Mm -hmm. because I can get many meals out of that for my family. One of my favorites is to do a roast pork loin that has this balsamic kind of marinade and glaze that goes with it. Balsamic Dijon mustard and thyme Mm. are all together. And golly, man, I always, when I, it'll, sometimes I'll go for like a couple of months, even when we haven't had one of these. And then I make it and I'm like, first of all, everybody in my family loves this. And then it's so easy. Why do I always forget about pork loin?
1: I know. I kind of do that too with pork loin. I don't know why. It is super easy. So is this like, because I think there's the tenderloin that's really narrow and small. And then there's like a bigger chunk that's like a loin. So which one are you using?
0: This is the bigger, thicker. Okay. It's not. Because I know you can pick up, and you've talked about, you yep. can pick up like a little tenderloin at Trader Joe's that's already marinated and ready to right. roll. Right, and those cook this fast,
1: is... but they're like little tiny, yes. like almost medallions of meat once you slice it. So this yes. is the bigger one.
0: Okay. This is bigger, and you're going to slice it after you've done roasting it, but it's, I don't know, it's yeah. like bigger. Probably, I mean, I guess that's what why it's a tenderloin. Is the small one, it's right, like, yes. So yes. So this is an actual
1: loin. Okay, I don't yeah. know that I've looked for that at like Costco. Yes. My big bulk store, so that's a good one. I have to look for that.
0: Yes, it's great for big families because you can you get a lot of meals out of it. But so this is just you put together this little balsamic glaze. You let in a lot of times I'm so bad with marinades, Kelly, because I'll start to I'll look at a recipe and be like, well, dang it, I should have started this like four hours right. ago. <laughs> but this one only has to sit in the marinade for like 20 minutes so you can kind of get it going and do some other things and then come back. You're going to sear it in a pan and then you're going to toss it in the Mm -hmm. oven. Cooks for like 45 minutes. Done and done. You could do, I love to do like skillet fried green beans on the side with this. Mashed potato. We do a lot of mashed cauliflower, which strangely my family seems to prefer mashed cauliflower over actual mashed white potatoes. Which is fine by me yeah. because mashed white potatoes take forever to cook. I think.
1: Yeah, I know. That's I love mashed potatoes. That's a comfort food. But man, they're not yeah. like a quick thing to put together. It's not.
0: Yes. So that's a great one. If you're looking for a pork recipe and you're kind of tired of like pork chops or whatever, this one is really good. And the last one on my list of family favorites. This is not gluten-free friendly. This is fully gluten. And that is just, it's such a go-to is sort of make your own quesadillas. Yeah. So if you've got flour tortillas on hand and you've got some cheddar, I mean, you can just put, or any kind of shredded cheese, you can put together, sometimes my girls just want cheese quesadillas. But if you've got like, well, like you said, if you've got chicken that you've already like roasted and prepared or whatever, you could do that or carne asada, you know, leftover Chicken in the fridge.
1: All the time. Yes.
0: Chicken taco meat. They're so flexible. I have made (laughs) so many, so many batches of quesadillas through the years. But they're so great and you really can do like a nice big side salad with those or we will often slice cucumbers. We'll do like sliced cucumbers, sliced tomatoes and mozzarella cheese, drizzle it with like lime juice. Mm -hmm. Some people might put cilantro with that and it's perfect to go on the side with just a really simple quesadilla. You can make them as filled with filling as you want or make them skimpy if you want, if you're not in a mood to eat. When Kyle was coaching, I ate by myself almost all of the time because he was at the football office all the time. There was a long stretch of my life where I practically lived on quesadillas because they're so easy to make just for yourself and can be expanded into
1: family cooking too. Well, and I make them with corn tortillas for me because I just really like corn tortillas. So my kids don't, you know, if I make quesadillas, which is an easy, such an easy go-to dinner that especially if everybody's not hungry, you know, we're eating at different times, you just kind of make it when that person wants to eat. So they use flour, but I use corn and I like it. It takes a little bit longer to cook, but that's all.
0: You know, I in all of these years, I don't think I've ever tried them with corn tortillas, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Sounds really good. Okay, well, like we said, we have some more specific categories that we wanted to talk about, like, what is your go-to for this thing that often comes up in our life? Callie, cooking for a crowd is sometimes Mm -hmm. one of the hardest things. Even if you're used to cooking for a bigger family, figuring out what do I make when I'm going to serve a crowd can kind of trip us up a little bit. So I'd love to hear what your go-to for serving a crowd is.
1: Right. Well, I mentioned already that in the summer, my go-to is almost always Cajun turkey burgers, because it's Mm -hmm. on the grill Mm -hmm. and it's easy. But I feel like that's almost the easy answer. I think everybody's like, well, I can always do brats and dogs, you know, something like that. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas that I have had to do that are, you know, more indoors, if you will, Mm. like less Mm -hmm. just throwing Mm -hmm. it in the backyard. One is Sloppy Joe's Oh in the crock pot, okay, in a slow cooker. I have found a recipe this last year. I think it's the best Sloppy Joe recipe I've ever had in my life. The weird thing is my kids aren't huge fans because they're messy. (laughs) I'm like, that's the whole point. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the name. That's sloppy (laughs) Joes. But like literally, I have a couple of kids who get mad at their dinner that it's like falling apart and falling on their plate. And That's I'm like, okay, funny. so, but it is a super yummy recipe. And again, you could just go online and, you know, Google, find one that you think would work for your family. It's a really nice thing just to have plugged in over on the side. You have a bunch of buns sitting there. goes really great with like potato chips, you know, different dips, fresh veggies. It's such an easy thing because I can make it ahead of time and then it's just ready to go. So, you know, if you're feeding a crowd, usually you're hosting as well. So I'm yeah. always about those things that can be pretty much done by the time the crowd gets there. And I like anything in a slow cooker and sloppy joes are perfect for the slow cooker because people can eat as they're hungry to some degree, you know, can be kind of a buffet. So it's ready to go there. That's my new thing. That's one of my favorite things to make for a crowd is sloppy joes. But I also thought back to a couple of times at Christmas, we've hosted like my entire family, let's say my brother who still lives in California was visiting. So we have all these people and it's winter, so I can't throw Cajun turkey burgers in the grill without making my husband freeze. So what we have done is a soup bar.
0: Oh, interesting. So I make yeah. a few
1: different kinds of soup. And here I will hearken back to other episodes of Sort of Awesome that I have mentioned. I think both is Awesomes of the Week. One was lasagna soup.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, people loved Oh that my one. goodness, you
1: guys. This is really, this could have been on my family favorites because it is, everybody loves it. It's a super healthy, sort of a vegetable, but inspired by Italian flavors soup with sausage in it. And then you put in cheese. So that one is probably the one that you would have to make last because if it cooks too long the vegetables get too kind of gross but one that you could do either just keep it simmering on your stove is wild rice soup which was another Mm-hmm. Awesome of the week. That's a creamy-based soup. It usually has chicken, sometimes chicken and bacon. That's give props to the bacon here. That's one, the way I like to make it.
0: I can't believe we're like 45 minutes in and we haven't even said the word bacon yet. What is wrong with us?
1: <laughs> My daughter was at the fair recently with kind of new friend, and she said that she doesn't like bacon, which she doesn't. And he's like, that could be a deal breaker for our friendship. Like, I don't even know... <laughs> Who you are right now, you know. So right. wild rice soup is super yummy. It's also a great thing that can just kind of stay on low. If you have enough crockpots or slow cookers to put that on low, it would be perfect in there. And then the last one that I like to do is kind of my different t- sorts of soups. It's either like a chicken noodle soup or mm-hmm. which you could buy. You know, there's some really good chicken noodle soups in cans. Buy one that's more chunky if you just were like, okay, I'm going to make these two, but I'm not going to make the third one. Or a chili in a crockpot. So having a soup bar, I feel like especially if you can do one soup that's maybe dairy free, you know, like it's going to help to cross all the different food concerns and sensitivities that people have today. So that's my like new go to. It is obviously more of a winter thing. But if I'm going to have to feed a crowd, I'm like if we and of course you could ask your friends to bring a soup, too. We've done it that way. Yes. Where you make one if you're hosting like a bunch of families for a movie night or for Super Bowl game or whatever. Just have everybody bring their favorite soup.
0: Okay, that is such a good idea and perfect. Like you said, I mean, we're moving into football season and all kinds of stuff where people are inside and you've got a crowd to feed. So smart, I like that. Well, I took a bit of a plot twist on my feeding a crowd, because I was thinking about we don't really a lot of times if we have people over it's just like let's do hamburgers or on the grill or whatever right. but during the holidays since all of my family of origin lives out of town and we're hosting people here in Oklahoma City that's when I do a lot of cooking for a crowd and so I was thinking about what are my kind of go-tos so the plot twist here is mine are all like breakfasty themed or brunch yeah. themed so breakfast. yes Many, many, many years ago, friend of the show, Amy Allen Clark, she's been on the show twice and always has great ideas. She posted on her blog, Mom Advice, about a birthday brunch bash that they threw for her daughter, who it was her birthday, and so they had kind of like a family party, and they did it at brunch. And so she had a couple of breakfast recipes that I have used so many times. I feel like I should actually pay Amy money for like how a cookbook's (laughs) worth of money (laughs) for how many times. I have used these recipes. Now they are not allergy friendly. They definitely have gluten in them, which I think even Amy is gluten free now, but I'm saying this was years ago. They have dairy in them. So you've got to have a pretty flexible eating crowd for these. But you could, again, you could make accommodations to make them fit who you're serving. One of them is a French toast souffle Mm. that starts with a loaf of French bread and it's got sugar and cinnamon and cream cheese and Milk and half and half and maple syrup. (laughs) It is like dessert, basically, but it's a French toast souffle. The great thing is you prep it the night before. You pop it in the fridge and it's ready to bake the next day. And the other recipe I got from that same post is called overnight breakfast casserole. And this one is really fun and it's super easy to put together because you're just going to get like plain old store-bought white bread toast it and cut it into cubes and you do that with like some ham and some cheese and eggs. Again, pop it in the fridge overnight. You put it in the oven the next day. I love both of those because like you were saying, you do all the prep work beforehand. Right. And so again, we're hosting a, you know, family at the holidays and they may come over like around 11 or even close to noon. I can pull these out and put them in the oven and have them ready in no time. And I can sit and visit with everybody while they're baking in the oven. Right. And along those same lines, This, again, goes way, way, way back in the life of my family to when Kyla and I were newlyweds. I found this recipe in Taste of Home Cookbook. I used to get the Taste of Home Cookbooks, like I had a subscription where I would get their cookbook every year, just sent automatically. They have such great, simple, just like down-home recipes. So these are called sausage quiche squares. These are fantastic to make if you're serving a crowd in your home or if you have to go to a gathering of some kind. You could totally take these to a game watching party. You could take them to, honestly, you could take them to a tailgate. You could take them. I have taken these for years. Like if our Sunday school class or whatever is having a breakfast and it's kind of like potluck breakfast, they travel really well. It's like bulk sausage that you brown, has Monterey Jack and cheddar cheese in it. It's got like green chilies. Mm. There's like ten eggs in there, cumin, chili powder. You mix it all up, bakes for like I don't know twenty five minutes. You cut it down into squares. So delicious and so portable. You know, sometimes when you have right. to take food for a crowd, it's like, oh, what can I take that's easy to move? And these are super easy to. You can just kind of keep them in your casserole dish and then put them in one of those little casserole right thingies. What are those called? <laughs> you know, <what> I'm talking <laughs> casserole about. thingies. You know, a thing. It has the
1: handles on it. It has the handles. Right. So you can take it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to use that for. I'm going to need that recipe because we have a mom's group and we meet at our church and we provide, we kind of all the tables take turns bringing food. And one of our monikers is like, this will be the best breakfast you eat all week. Like we're not stripping. (laughs) We are not like we like go all out. Doesn't mean you can't buy bagels somewhere, you know, like, but we sign up for categories. And one of the things that I just didn't grow up with that I think is very common, possibly just in any center part of the country, any farming community is what they call it here is an egg bake okay yeah yeah, it's yeah. like an egg thing with meat vegetables cheese hash brown who knows yeah that comes in like a nine by 13 pan yep, so you can cut it up into squares or whatever uh-huh. yes i didn't know what that was when I, the people were like well one of the categories is egg bake i'm like well, what do you mean like <laughs> like you want me to bake you, you want me to bake so as i have gone for years now and all the deliciousness that comes across and a lot of people had these recipes, I think, because it's easy to make and keep in your fridge yeah. too mm-hmm. for breakfast for the week or for when people come in that sort of thing. So that sounds fantastic. Yes. I'm definitely trying that. So
0: good. So those are some ideas for when you're feeding a crowd. But sometimes when you're preparing food for yourself for your family, you want something comforting. Good old-fashioned comfort foods. So, Kelly, what ideas do you have for us in the comfort food category?
1: My two favorite comfort foods. I almost feel like we should just pause and have some music so everybody can picture. <laughs> you know, like, comfort foods don't need much description because we all kind of know. Yes. Like, you know, right. it's like... <laughs> My favorite comfort food, hands down, is Pioneer Woman's lasagna. Okay, good. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, my word. There is like nothing healthy (laughs) about this lasagna. It is so decadent and filled with cheese and meat and wonderful flavors. Oh, pasta, of course. It is so good. I always make two Mm -hmm. because it is not an easy recipe. It's kind of one of those things that you have a Saturday afternoon, and you're going to make this because you simmer the sauce for like an hour, and then there's the assembly. And if you're going to eat one that day, you have to bake it for 45 minutes, you know. It is worth every single minute that you spend on it, but I just always feel like I'm going to make two or maybe even three if I'm going to do it. Yes. So that's hands down my very favorite comfort food. The other one is Ina Gartens, which I kind of can't believe we've gotten this far for me. Yes. I haven't talked about the Barefoot Contessa yet. I adore her. Her chicken pot pie. Oh. Yeah. So it's also not a quick meal. It's a little more time intensive. She uses half and half. Like you put in like a splash of half and half at the end of making like your white sauce with all the vegetables mm-hmm. in it. I mean, you know, like you just adding decadence to decadence. Yes but it's just that warm, yeah. smells good in the oven. It tastes wonderful. Yeah, like I'm actually hungry now. <laughs> Gosh, that sounds <laughs> Talking so about both good. of those. Yes. What are yours? Describe to me your favorite comfort foods, Megan.
0: Well, I've even talked about this one on the show, but I can't stop talking about it. It's Pioneer Woman's perfect
1: pot roast, which actually is one of her on healthiest. On my B list. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, that's true. No cheese. No, yeah. I love her pot roast.
0: I'm like on a mission to convert the listener's of sort of awesome and maybe the people of the world to understand you don't need any other pot roast recipe, we have Amen. the gift of the Pioneer Woman's perfect pot roast. I grew up thinking I didn't like pot roast because of the way my parents bless them, I love them, but they do not make a good pot roast. I <laughs> thought it was dry, I thought it was tough, I didn't understand what it could be until I made this. If you follow me on Instagram, I did a story of me making this last week because I was like, it's not even pot roast season here yet, really. We're still in the 80s and 90s. I can't help it. I love it so much. So it really is pretty healthy, too. I mean, uh huh. You've got your roast in there. You've got carrots, onions. My friend Jen, who listens to the show, saw that I was cooking it on Instagram stories. She messaged me and said, hey, chop up some sweet potatoes and throw them in for the last 30 minutes. You will love it. And I was like, I've never done this before, but I'll try it. I did. It was fantastic. The sweet potatoes cook really quickly. So you want to save those to the end if you're going to throw those in. So you've got your vegetables. You've got your meat. You've got this delicious sauce that it simmers in. It's actually really, it's one of her healthiest and least complicated Yes. Because I usually do the meal prep for this right after lunch, if I'm going to make it for dinner that night, you're just searing things in your Dutch oven, you put it all in, you pop it into your oven, and it cooks all afternoon. And everybody's like, when is dinner ready? Because it's yes. so good in the house. It is one of the perfect meals. And it also happens to be a really comforting meal. So Pioneer Woman, perfect pot roast. All right. And that's a great one to take to people if you want to really wow them if you're preparing something for, you know, family that has a new baby or any reason to take a meal. But we wanted to talk about what are some of our other go to take a meals. Kelly, what do you have on your list? (laughs)
1: Let's just be honest. Okay, awesome. Chicken tacos are right at the top of my list because I can make a bunch and I think what I really like about it is a lot of people that I am bringing meals to, you know, they have big families lots of times and depending on what's going on in their lives they may not be even eating my food that night, you Mm, know, right? or I can bring it to them and say, hey, for any time you need it so chicken tacos, I can even have most like the meat in the freezer, pull it out and then I'm just adding all the stuff you would need with it and that's, you know, you can just buy that at the store your tortillas and, you know, some lettuce and I usually just ask, do you have cheese, do you have salt Also, like, I'm not going to go buy you more if you already have that. people have stuff. Yes. You know, drop off some brownies with it. Bada bing, bada boom. That's my favorite meal. I'll say my second one, though, which is chicken salsa chili. Mm. So this is a chili that uses chicken. It's really easy to make. It's really easy to make. It's actually known in the Twin Cities. There is a restaurant in St. Paul called Cafe Latte. And this is their famous dish. And so they have shared the recipe online. So that's where we get it. It's like chicken chunks and tomato puree and chickpeas. It's a little bit different. Even has some lime juice in there. And you're going to serve it usually with, you know, cheese and chips and maybe onion, sour cream on top, all those sort of chili things. But it's kind of a fun twist on chili. Freezes really well. It's really kind of one of those recipes that you cook the chicken with onion, but then you're just dumping everything else in and letting it simmer. Yeah. So it's super easy. And it seems like one of those things that everybody kind of likes. And it's really easy, again, to give to people to eat when they have the free time to eat it. It doesn't have to be eaten that night. Exactly. Exactly. Well, mine is
0: sort of similar, too. I try to package this up in a way that if people have a lot of food on hand if people have been bringing food you can put this into the freezer and defrost and eat another time but my go-to is cheese enchiladas Mm. this is another recipe I got from the hillbilly housewife y'all and she has a delicious actually homemade enchilada sauce that she does with it yeah so I've done that for years then I got lazy and started buying store-bought enchilada sauce and both Kyle and my girls were like why what is the sauce where's your usual sauce because it uses like diced tomatoes and like I don't know it's just it's actually really better than store-bought. However, if you're pressed for time, you could totally grab enchilada sauce from the store. But I love cheese enchiladas because it's a vegetarian option. These are gluten-free. So again, you can kind of, you know, ask for allergy, preferences or whatever. You could also, you know, you could throw random whatever. If you have fajita chicken on hand, if you have, you can turn these easily into ground beef enchiladas. I mean, there's so, it kind of depends on what you have on hand and what you have time to prepare. But you can do a big batch of enchiladas and it does not cost much money to put those together. And then you can do chips and salsa, like you said, do like some cookies and maybe like a side salad or saute zucchini and yellow squash in butter in a skillet and put that in a little container. Super easy to put. Together, super portable to take over mm-hmm. to somebody, and yeah, I've taken that to people for years,
1: and it's a good go-to. Yeah, that so, sounds great. I need that recipe.
0: <laughs> so speaking of quick and somewhat cheap to put together, we do have Trader Joe's, which people, there's the cult of love and adoration for Trader Joe's is It's fierce. It's very fierce. So I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about what we love to put together. This will be very interesting for me to hear because I have not really delved very far into like a lot of the options there. I've mostly been shopping the produce and some of the freezer meals, but a lot of like the pantry staples and stuff because I just get overwhelmed by all of the, even though Trader Joe's is a very streamlined store, there's so much good stuff that I'm like, I know this is all good. I can't spend $100 in here right now, but (laughs) I can't wait to hear what you and other people have to suggest for their favorite Trader Joe's go-tos.
1: Yes. Okay. So these are also very kid-friendly, in my opinion, because when I'm shopping Trader Joe's, lots of times I'm thinking for those you know times when I'm just going to be feeding the kids. I will tell you my new favorite one from Trader Joe's. This is a new thing at Trader Joe's. Okay. Which that could be like a whole show, Meg. We could do a show on like, what are you buying at Trader Joe's right now? Yes. People love to talk about it. And that's a fun question to ask friends if you live near Trader Joe's. Is they have, it's over by like the meats, like the pepperoni and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh That's where you would need to find it. It's Greek heroes. Like the traditional lamb and, you know, beef sort of slices. Yes. And all you do is cook them. Mm -hmm. Like I cook them. It says just to kind of warm them up, but I usually brown them a little bit in a skillet. Yeah. They have so much good flavor. They're so fast. Like I can keep them in my freezer, you know, take the box out. There's probably five, only like five or six slices, maybe eight in a package. So to feed my family, honestly, I'm buying like three or four packages, which, you know, they're four or five dollars a piece. But on the other hand, I just fed my family really fast. This is like one of those things I can keep in my freezer for that night when yes. I didn't defrost the meat or whatever, you know, something's going yes horribly wrong. I can take the plastic packaging out put it in some water it's thawed in probably 10 minutes and then you cook it up in a skillet and i usually have again non or pita you can make a quick some sort of a tzatziki sauce to serve with it you could eat it plain you know like again this is one of those like if you don't want to eat it on a pita and you just want it on the side mm-hmm. yeah you can really you know change it around but that being that trader joe's hero meat being the star of the show yes killer thing to have in your freezer for a rainy day and it's really such great flavor I can't recommend it enough and then the other two that are mainstays in my house that I think a lot of people who shop Trader Joe's their orange chicken yep yep Mm -hmm. I think everybody loves their orange chicken it is so fast I think I first started to buy it back when my kids were little because what I would do was buy a bag of orange chicken I would sometimes even they have brown rice Hmm. frozen brown rice like you get three bags in a box yep It cooks in the microwave in three minutes, boom, brown rice. So I would make boom, brown rice, (laughs) the frozen brown rice. And, you know, you cook the orange chicken. I would even have kids who didn't want the sauce or they wanted it on the side because it was a little too spicy for them. That's fine. And then I would roast some broccoli. I mean, that's a healthy meal. So it was really quick. That's still a go to. My kids love Trader Joe's orange chicken. And then their meatballs. Hmm. So I don't make my own meatballs mm-hmm. because I don't like to fuss. Because Trader Joe's also makes really good ones. So I buy their party size meatballs. Right, right. They're a little bit smaller, so that makes it a little more kid-friendly. And then I just make a really simple homemade marinara, dump the whole frozen bag in there. You know, they're cook in five minutes, make your spaghetti s- pasta, whatever kind you want, and there you go. Easy meal. But all three of those are, like, foods that I can't make without Trader Joe's. Yes, yes. You know, like, I just can't quite find the same orange chicken, those meatballs. Everybody loves. I bought meatballs at Costco before. They have a big bag sometimes Mm -hmm. of frozen meatballs, Italian meatballs. And the kids are like, what are these? (laughs) These don't taste the same. Kind of what you're saying about the enchilada sauce, right? They sniffed out my my fake. Yes. So yeah, those are my absolute go-to's at Trader Joe's. What about you? Well, what have you discovered?
0: My go-to, I don't even feel like I know the store well enough to have like standbys, but I was going to talk about that mandarin orange chicken Mm -hmm. because you really can do that. While it's cooking in the oven, I will also put in some broccoli, like you said, and do like a roasted broccoli. And then I'll toss the chicken and broccoli together and then put the sauce over everything. Good idea. And serve that on top of rice then. And truly, I love that. I mean, that is the thing. They're prepared meals. They're going to be a little bit more expensive than if you did it yourself. You're paying for the convenience, obviously. But there's, I mean, there's some nights when it's like, well, we, you know, just the way our schedule is, we have to be somewhere quickly in the evening. It's a night that we might be tempted to get fast food or something. We would spend more on a fast food meal than we would on these convenience meals from the freezer. Everybody loves that one. I especially love to do the broccoli in there because it gives it a little, well, it gives you your veggie, but then also sticks with you a little bit more. But to that, I have been adding, and sometimes I keep these back just for myself for a little sweet treat. In the freezer section, I found these. I don't know if these are supposed to go in the freezer dessert section. That's where I found them. The mango and sticky rice spring rolls. What? Have you had these? No. Yes. I don't know if they're new. They had a nice big sign the last time I was there, like showcasing them. Well, they might be new because mango mango
1: was like the flavor of the summer. Like they had all these new products with mango. So tell me more. So
0: mango and sticky rice spring rolls. So they have, obviously there's little bits of mango in there. Then they do have that coconut rice that you were just talking about in there all wrapped up. It's in a spring roll wrapper. So you can either put these in the oven for a few minutes, or you can just like kind of, again, pan sear them. Really, they'll be ready in a few minutes. I think if you put them in the oven, it's
1: like 10 minutes.
0: Kelly, these will change your life.
1: (laughs) I'm going to definitely have that. I'm adding it to my list right now.
0: They are so good, especially since you were talking about that you love like a sweet coconut rice. Oh my gosh. I was like, these are worth every penny and they're pretty cheap. They're not expensive. I think there's five to a box and I don't know if it's I think it was like maybe two
1: ninety nine for the box and right and that's lunch right there. So good. Do your girls like that? Yes. or your boys? Do you like oh, you yeah. have your kids? Okay.
0: The twins are skeptical. <laughs> they're pretty skeptical about new things. So we're kind of I don't know. That's fine by me because I'm like more for us. <laughs> but the girls love them. They love anything. The girls' favorite thing from Trader Joe's is they're just mango, just the dried yeah. mango. Yeah. They love that in their lunches, after school snacks. They love it. So they definitely love these mango and sticky rice spring rolls. Yeah. So. Well, sometimes instead of watching your grocery budget at Trader Joe's, you are just going for an all-out splurge you have a special occasion to celebrate, or you just want to treat yourself, you want to treat your family. And so sometimes we're just pulling out all the stops and going for a big splurge meal. So Kelly, I can't wait to hear what this looks like in your house.
1: Well, I kind of did a plot twist on this too, because I was thinking in some ways splurging about how much things cost, right? So we're just saying these meals at Trader Joe's are worth the cost because it's For sure, cheaper than going out to eat. But, you know, it's just like it's worth it to you to not have to cook. So for me, my family loves shrimp. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. And shrimp doesn't conjure splurge in the sense of, you know, like a big, thick, juicy steak sort of thing. But I can never fill them up. Like no matter how much money I spend, no matter how many shrimp I buy, like they're always like more. I need more shrimp. So anything with shrimp is kind of a splurge for my family. And I tell them, like, I have spent a lot of money to buy you shrimp. And when it's gone, it's gone. Like, I just can't spend $70 (laughs) to make you full on shrimp. Right. You know? Right, right, right. Um, But, like, in fact, what I'm probably going to be making very soon is shrimp scampi. That's one of my favorites. Uh, Um, It helps to spread the shrimp love a little bit because you've got the pasta there. It's so, so, so easy, you guys. I think that's my other thing about shrimp that it is that convenience factor for me is to keep a big bag of shrimp in my freezer, You know, it thaws in ten minutes. You just dump it into some you know cold water, pull those tails off. You can have dinner on the table in half an hour. I mean, like really freezer to table. So you know, shrimp scampi's got all that garlic and butter and lemon juice. It's so yummy. So that, or another recipe we've talked about before on sorta awesome is the Thai quinoa salad. Oh yeah, that I make. Mm -hmm. I love to serve that with a spicy shrimp. So you have shrimp, and then you put on like paprika and a little bit of red pepper and garlic stuff. And so you just really quick pan fry those and give it a squirt of lemon juice. And so that's a great way to add some, you know, bigger protein, especially for people who are like, well, it's if there's not, you know, chicken or seafood or beef, it's not a real meal. And um, because really the I, quinoa has protein, yeah, it and does. It has peanuts in it, like yeah. it could be a totally vegetarian meal, but I like to put the spicy shrimp with it. So that's my splurge when I want to treat my family. What about you?
0: I went super traditional in this category. I went with the steak because this is such a splurge that we do fairly frequently. We do this often for birthdays or for anniversaries. So I've shared before on the show Kyle's go-to marinade if he's going to grill steaks. And you can use this marinade for steak, for chicken, for pork. You can do it for portobello mushrooms. It's so versatile. It's just equal parts olive oil, soy sauce, lemon juice. It will never let you down. So something different we've been doing for splurge meals for our big steak celebration meals is and also say we will often feed the kids beforehand we'll do this like a big date night at home. So we'll feed the kids, like maybe get them a pizza, some kind of super kid-friendly meal and do that, feed them, get them kind of settled for the evening. And then we'll do our whole thing of this delicious steak dinner. So instead of grilling lately, Kyle has been doing the prep where he will do just like a salt and pepper on a fantastic cut of steak. We have a great meat counter at a grocery store here in Oklahoma City for Oklahomans who are listening. It's the homeland at May in Britain in Oklahoma City. Their meat counter is phenomenal. So he'll get really great cuts of steak. He's even been playing around with doing dry aged steak, which we've never had before. So good. But just a salt and pepper, maybe a little bit of like a rub sprinkle on it. He'll pan sear it in our cast iron skillet, pan sear it for like a minute on each side, put it under the broiler oh. for like two minutes per side, maybe less. We like our steak really rare and then pull that out, let it rest for a few minutes. It's so good, it hasn't marinated. I can't even believe how delicious you can prepare steak in your house. You don't even have to go blow up your grill.
1: Yeah, right. right.
0: <laughs> and Kelly and I have established we can't be trusted. Yeah. To so, yeah, so we have a formula. We'll do the steak. We steam asparagus always on the side. Sometimes we usually do shrimp for our anniversary meal because we had a big shrimp meal on our honeymoon. So for our anniversaries, we usually have shrimp. We'll do a red wine like a Malbec is perfect with this. And then we'll get a bottle of port wine for dessert, which is very very sweet and syrupy wine perfect for a decadent meal like this and yeah you feel like you have really splurged and really gone over the top with a meal like that I love so it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of what to do and what to feed your kids, one category we kind of had talked about maybe we should cover on this show was what to prepare when you're solo parenting, when it's just you and a house full of kids, or maybe you're in survival mode and you need something super fast. But Kelly, you've kind of already covered
1: this on Sort of Awesome before. Right. We did a whole show on how to survive kind of those tough seasons of maybe solo parenting, or even just having really little kids. Really simple, Semi-healthy, semi-homemade sort of food. So if you're wondering when we're going to get to that category, we have a whole, the whole show isn't just about food. It's really how to survive, but you could get more than you want over in this episode. It's on Gumroad, right, May?
0: Yes, because it's the episode that we put into the Ultimate Homemaking Bundle last spring. If you didn't want the bundle, if you didn't have time to pick it up, but you would like to hear the whole co-host team, it's a group show, but mm-hmm. especially Kelly has some really fantastic go-tos for when you just need to fix up something that's going to feed you and the kids solo parenting meals, you can go to gumroad.com slash sort of awesome. And just buy that as a standalone. It's $5. And it's something that I think you'll probably refer back to over and over again, because it's super helpful. So all right, Kelly, I can't wait to have a whole week or a couple of weeks worth of talking to the awesomes about food and favorite meals. So for anybody who wants to
1: talk with us more about food and favorite meals, where can they find you all around the web? Well, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at kelly at lovewell and on facebook you can find me at facebook.com slash lovewell blog okay
0: and i'm at sort of awesome meg on twitter and instagram and don't forget you can also find the show on twitter at sort of awesome pod we'd love to talk to you over there so gosh this has been so fun and i'm starving so. Yeah,
1: right <laughs> yeah. so now everyone run
0: and get some food exactly exactly awesome thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time Sorta of Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, of where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta of Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta of Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore